Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. I'm the new classics resident. Uh, I have only been here since September, but last year I was still working in England in another boarding school, so it's not entirely new to the system. Uh, only been in England a year, but excited to stay for a while now. Who knows? Uh, so far, so good. I'm really enjoying being here at Bryanston. Um, just enjoying sort of getting to know everybody, being in the house, yeah. being able to sort of nag all of my girls about what they need to be doing, <laughs> when they need to be, you know, checking in on them, but also right. chasing them around for different things. Yeah. So. And so you were you were you worked at a boarding school uh, the previous year, did you not? Yeah, yeah, okay. out, out in Bath. Okay. Worked up Great. the hill, good mile hike up that okay. hill in Bath. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, well, that is great to hear. Um, if you're just joining us now, this is Bry Radio. Uh, we are on the third segment of uh, Meet the Residents. With us, we have the wonderful Miss Hampson, uh, Brian's newest classic residence. Um, and so you're a classic resident, but and you, you've 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 just come from a, a school in Bath, another boarding school. Miss um, Hampson, can you tell us what your favorite thing thus far is about being a resident? And also, what what house are you you representing? Uh, I live. I work in Greenleaves. Okay, Greenleaves, wonderful. The best house. Yes. Best of course. Greatest name, honestly. It, yeah, I mean, it's a really good one. It does. Yeah. It, you do want to say green sleeves every time. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of automatically want to do that. But no, it's green leaves to right. a while. Right, have to right. A couple times. Uh, favorite thing about being a resident so far? I mean, some of it's just being on site, getting involved with everything. Right. I mean, can't forget sort of hanging out with all the other residents and, you know, having this yeah. massive space to walk around in. Wonderful I mean, community yeah, as well, yeah. Just lovely to be kind of, you know, going from Bath where it's busy and there's always people around to this sort of... Yeah. Con- almost like rural country Quaint space is con- just yeah. yeah it's absolutely beautiful right so, what do you yeah. miss in in the inverse of that question then what do you miss most about about Bath I mean yeah. I think I miss being able to get into town yeah easily I mean it, it was <laughs> a 20 minute beautiful walk downhill and a bus back and now it's a 30 minute lovely walk next to the river but yeah a little it, is, it is lovely this, this, the uh, river tower is is quite beautiful um it's a, it's a bit of a hike just to get into blandford and yeah not it is a bit of, let's be honest it is a bit of a hike and there there isn't much happening I, I i was expecting when i first walked into blandford something far more quaint but honestly to be fair i was i was quite impressed yeah i think i was impressed because it was partly from an american perspective yes. and i was like oh wow look at this nice New, quaint little village yeah little market town and its history and yeah, yeah precisely yeah and and if and if you haven't uh you haven't told haven't haven't caught on to it yet obviously miss hampson is an american yes. describe your national so you you consider yourself an american you went yes. to school in the states is that went right? to school in the states lived my whole life up until moving last year but i am a british citizen because my dad was born here okay. so it's sort of the return of this bit of my family right, to wonderful. england so cool yeah. Where, where's your dad from he is, was originally born in Liverpool. Okay, so great. Home of the Beatles, good times. Yes, of course, uh, of course. He doesn't sound like an English person. He just sounds like an American. Came yeah. here when he was five, so right. it sounds like I do. Yeah. Okay. California <laughs> accent. Yeah, the good Cali accent. And then your mother, she's American, is it? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so. Cool, awesome. Yeah. And where where in the States are you from? California? California, it? everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. lived my whole life in California until I moved to Kansas for two years. Okay, so. wow. This is a lot like Kansas in some ways. Yeah, I was going to say that, hey, this is... <laughs> green, Kansas lifestyle. rolling hills, yeah, quiet. But, uh, yeah, as uh, as they'd say in, in the Oz, you're 
Not yeah. in Kansas anymore. <laughs> not that's in for Kansas sure. anymore. But yeah, you kind of are in this in some ways. In some ways, sort of throwback to Kansas. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, wonderful. Um, we are going to take a quick break to hear another one bites the dust by Queen. Uh, a wonderful way, I think, to to start off the show. Um, and we are going to be stepping on learning about uh, Miss Hampson's um, expertise in the classics and mythology. Um, some of her favorite myths, hopefully, um, maybe getting to learn a bit more about the distinctions between Roman and Greek. But um, we'll talk about it then. This is Bri Radio, Meet the Residents, and you are listening to Queen, Another One Bites the Dust. Okay, Mr. Freddie Mercury, always a stunning performance. Um, did you see that biopic of, of him? I saw clips of it, but okay. I did not see very much well, of it. Bohemian Rhapsody is what yeah, it was called, right? Yeah, yeah, it looked really good, but yeah. I just 
I've, I, all of my girls keep asking me what movies I've seen, and I haven't seen any lately. Yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I'll have to go and out and it's see it's it. so interesting to see like that's a new like style of film coming out now. I mean, it's so we had that we had we had Bohemian Rhapsody, we had Rocket Man, we had um, the, the new Elvis movie. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's just all of it. It's just so interesting. Anyway, um, back to the real juiciness of this episode. We are joined by the wonderful Miss Hampson um, on our third edition of Meet the Residents. Uh, we are super, super happy to be here today, um, as is, I know, everyone with us. Um, and, and what we're really going to dig into now is a bit of discussion about the classics and the classics department here at Bryanson, what it offers, and more importantly, what Miss Hampson offers it, right? So, Miss Hampson, can you just tell us, like, what's the origin story, shall we, of, of your introduction to the classics and, and getting interested in, and involved in it? Yeah, so, I mean, it, in the same way that a lot of young kids start reading different myths, and you, you always start with the Greek gods. You know, I'd come home and nag my parents about some new mythical story that I'd been reading and while they're trying to put away the dishes and I'm just running around the kitchen or whatever and being obnoxious as, you know, only 10-year-olds can. But sort of started there. And then once I I went through high school not really knowing that classics was a thing because in the U.S. it's just not as much of a big deal. And then I got to university and... Somehow, inexplicably, I took ancient Greek my first year at university. No one can figure out why I did that. I don't know why I did that. Didn't take Latin like a normal person, took ancient Greek. And then suddenly learned that there's this whole field of, you know, looking at not just the history, but the culture and the language and sort of, you know, how all of that works together to create this sense of these ancient people that we don't have access to otherwise. And so I started doing that and then became a classicist. Huh. So the, you, you mentioned there's like different disciplines within. I mean, even even though the classics might seem like a very specific and uh, particular subject, you, you mentioned that there's a, a, a multiple disciplines within it. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can be a classical, what we call a classical philologist. So someone who studies language, you can be a classical archaeologist, someone wow. that deals yeah. with material culture. You can be a classical historian, just, yeah. you know, you look at the historical side and not so much like the Iliad and the Odyssey and things like that. Right, you, right. you look at the actual historical documentation we have. Um, and within those fields, there's being a Hellenist, so someone who likes Greek stuff, and a Romanist, someone who mm, likes Roman stuff. Okay. So, you know, there's, it, it keep, you just keep going down these sort of flow charts of like further and further. Yeah, that's getting doc- more yeah. and more specific. How do you, how do you identify that? Are you a um, Hellenist or a... Fully a Hellenist. A Hellenist, I, okay. I respect the Romanists. They're lovely yes, people, yes. but Greek all the way. Okay. All but, the and, way. So I, I, this is, this is what I really wanted. I honestly... This is the best thing about these shows because, you know, when I had Miss Stalchon the week before and then Mr. Fulsham on um, the week before that, I was just, I was like, I get to learn about all of these very particular things. So this is partially me getting an opportunity to ask all the questions I've ever had about the classics, right? Um, I, I guess one thing that I, I want to, to ask you about, you know, uh, we, we speak about, the, I, I mean, I took Latin in the States in like sixth grade and just yeah. like r- Latin root. Words, words derivatives. and derivatives and like understanding it and and, and its significance but I, i'm really curious what is what is the case that you make for the importance of classics like you often hear pe- people saying like latin's a dead language it 
is basically useless to learn. It's useless to, to use today, some might argue, um, or that myths like aren't even factual. Like, so why should we teach them? So I, I guess I guess that's the thing that I, I want to pose to you. Not that that's my perspective, but I'm, I'm curious to hear how you would respond to these claims as a classicist. Yeah, I know? mean, so the, the claim of Latin is a dead language. Why do we bother using it? There's only so like. I would argue it's useful to know things even when they're not necessarily the most useful thing immediately. Yeah. Latin is helpful for learning any modern language that comes from Latin. So right. from a language perspective, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Romanian, things like that become, in theory, easier because you know sort of the base language that those languages come from. Um, I mean, it's also just, you know, even if you're never going to use maths again, you still do it for the mental gymnastics that maths yeah, is. Right. So it's good exercise for your brain at, a, at that level. But it also allows you to access, if you ever want to read, you know, you decide suddenly, randomly, in 15 years, you want to read the Aeneid, but you want to know what it actually says. You can't do that with a translation. Yeah, you, you can, right. to some degree. It, it, it's a good medium if you don't have the time to actually learn Latin. But if knowing, you know, knowing the language, same with ancient Greek, it just gives a much richer experience. Mm. But uh, the classics sort of as a concept, I mean, they were asking the same questions we do now. So, you know, I at university taught a course on ethics in via sort of the, the medium of Greek tragedy. So we looked mm. at an ethical theory, we talked about a Greek tragedy. One of the most important ones we looked at was the story of Antigone, right. who's the daughter of Oedipus, that poor, poor guy who kills his father and marries his mother and right. has multiple children with her and blinds himself in response to that. But and, and, Sorry, and, and the story of Antigone is, yeah, involves that, the familiar relationship there? Yeah, what, what, so in uh, Antigone, she it's after her, his fa- her father has sort of left the city. She's been left on her own. Her brothers both were supposed to rule Thebes, but... They didn't share the rule of Thebes. Uh, her brother Polynices leaves to gather an army to take back the city from his, from her other brother Ateocles. They fight. They both kill each other. And her uncle gives a state funeral to Ateocles, the brother that stayed, and refuses to allow Polynices, the brother that attacked the city, to be buried. Hmm. And Antigone, in response to that, sneaks out of the city and gives him a ritual burial against the orders of Creon, her uncle, right. who said... If anyone buries this man, you will be killed in turn. So she mm. goes against the orders of a king to follow the orders of what sort of the society said you should do, which was right. bury a dead right. body. And so we still ask questions about, you know, do you follow sort of what your moral sense tells you to do, or do you follow a specific law? Yeah. Like we're still we're still asking these questions right. twenty five hundred years later. And yeah. Then, no, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. And that, like that's just something that people don't, you know. You think maybe this is a new question. There's, you know, people say there's no, nothing new under the sun, and that's not always a bad thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a really like brilliant way to put it, honestly. And and because you, I feel like I've heard this oh the story of Antigone like using it as um as a case study for something or another, and and it's good to get that clarification as yeah that's that ongoing struggle between uh, personal societal morality and what is law and, yeah. and what should we should consider to be law and what we could, should consider to be moral. Exactly. Right? Well, and I mean, a modern take on that was um, in 2014, the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Okay, well, there is yeah. a modern version of Antigone where they perform pieces of Antigone and then they have sort of a roundtable open discussion on, you know, do you obey the law or do you obey hmm. what you think morally should be right? And the, the, the parallel there was that the body of Michael Brown was left in the sun for 12 mm. hours and no one was allowed to like touch him or bury him. Or, mm. I mean, he was inevitably buried in the same way that Polynices was left out and then finally sort of taken in and given a proper funeral. 
they, wow. they used that to sort of start this conversation about sort of law and the right of law, but the law of, you know, or like, and the right of people to carry on. Yeah. So. It seems like a, a brilliant application of it, doesn't it's it? A, I mean, and, and yeah. one that's in, in, in the case of Michael Brown chilling. It's, right? yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, people have been talking, like this has happened before in various, yeah. what was it, uh, Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So there's what's there's yeah. just a certain amount of like history. Yeah. It, it sort of carries on, keeps the same mm-hmm. things keep coming up in the human yeah. story. Yeah. And uh, history, history definitely does repeat itself, does it not? And um, I, I guess in that view, I mean, you could just view Greek history uh, and in the classics um, and, and the history that's studied under the discipline of, of, of the classics um, as, as another area which you can understand and, and analyze history, right? But I, I'm curious to know, I mean, it, I mean is, the story, is the story of antiquity, is, is, that, is, that a, is that a myth or is that history? That's a myth. So okay. there are some things like the Iliad, the story of the Trojan War. Yeah. That was in ancient times in the 5th century Athens and 5th century BC. They thought that was actual history. Right. They considered right. that their own history, but... We now, we sort of know at this point, it, there might be little grains of truth. There might have been a king that sort of messed up at some yeah. point and had to go into exile. But the story of Antigone isn't real, but it is real in the sense that, like, stories we tell ourselves are important anyway. Yeah. So. I, I guess that is something that's always really confused me about, um, yeah, a, a, about about uh, Greek mythology and, and Greek history and the classics is that... It, does there seem to be this clear distinction between what is myth and what is history? And should we even get caught up on that distinction? Like, is, is it, can we argue that the, the process of making the myth and sharing the myth is, is a historical process in and of itself and therefore is relevant? Oh, yeah. I, I'm curious to know, like, what your thoughts are on, on that distinction and, again, how that ties into the significance of, of mythology as well. I mean, so, like, a good example there is the story of the Odyssey. Odysseus trying to get home and running into all these fantastical monsters and people that eat other people and cyclopes that, you know, try and kill him and whatever. But there's, there's pieces of it that probably were reflections of actual Greek, like, fears about strangers, fears about travel. They were a seafaring people, so when you showed up on a new island you had no idea who mm-hmm. was going to be on that island. Or the story, there's a monster, there's a sort of two-part monster called Scylla and Charybdis, and Scylla would snatch men, it's like a multi-headed dragon thing, snatch <laughs> men out of your ship, and Charybdis with a whirlpool that's eat like sucked all of the ships down into the sea, and you have to try and sort of cut between the two really carefully. And so that, I mean, that's a, you know, a good metaphor for generally life, like rock yeah. and a hard place kind of thing, but it's also reflective of this, the various dangers of seafaring in the ancient world and even now like you know hurricanes and things still affect boats yeah yeah i don't know anything about sailing so yeah no come in and tell me right no but i i think i think that's uh i think i think well first of all to the sailing maybe we need to have tony on the show and maybe he can can give us a bit more insight in in what in sailing and and the nautical lifestyle but i i I think that what what i guess i'm hearing and, and to repeat this back to you is that the classics really i mean seems important and relevant even if they are myths because um storytelling is is important and and stories are at the heart of how we um uh, learn about ourselves and learn about each other um and even if they they weren't happened they even if they didn't actually happen the way that they are exactly told um they were inspired by legitimate real events yeah Yeah, i mean either legitimate real events or sort of (laughs) 
the legitimate real fears, fears, the fears yeah. or worries or sort of hope of the people that told yeah. those stories and the fact that they've made a made it down to us you know 2500 years later sort of is a testament to their importance even if we don't you know necessarily know exactly what they wanted what they learned from it we can still learn about them at least and we can learn a little bit about ourselves yeah in the same time yeah i mean that's incredibly well said and honestly i think that's a great transition into um just taking a quick break having a a a wonderful song kasha came back this is by our very own ned fulsham who uh, we featured on the meet the residents show um the first time we did uh this this wonderful show that we're doing and then when we get back we'll talk about a bit more about the the fun side of uh of of not that this isn't fun but the more light-hearted side of, of greek mythology roman mythology how you relate to it, um, and maybe some some uh, some reinterpretations or reapplications of it, um, more specifically with with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, one of the newest games that has tried to recreate the the, the Greek world. So um, this is uh, Bry Radio. You are listening to Meet the Residents with Mr. Shivers and our wonderful guest, Miss Handsome. Um, and then uh, when we get back, we are going to be talking about that. So for now, this is Ned Fulsham. Um, uh, Kasha came back. We hope you enjoy. I promise I care, I just forget It was different when we talked more But it's harder when you have two lives that are separate Better since you came home I can see you like any time I want But that doesn't mean it's easy Cause you're annoying me far away And I hate my head in the rain And yeah, I guess I could take the train but what would I have to complain about? Kasha came back from Germany And I think that she wants to be with me No one said that would be easy It's hard when your best friend is busy We don't even have to go that far Can meet you halfway at the student bar Can't today you say you're not free It's hard when your best friend is busy You planned a house party Sorry I can't come, I'm playing a show And I can't do next week I promise you that I want to go Come round to my place You're busy on Wednesday, Thursday too Well, what about Friday? (laughs) Yeah, this really isn't easy Cause you're annoying me far away And I hate my head I could take the train But what would I have to complain about? Kasha came back from Germany And I think that she wants to be with me No one said that would be easy It's hard when your best friend is busy We don't even have to go that far Could meet you halfway at the student bar Can't today you say you're not free It's hard when Best friend is busy. So we'll find time, we'll find time. But there's always no time, there's no time. We say we'll find time, we'll find time. But there's always no time, there's no time. We'll say we'll find time, we'll find time. There's always no time, there's no time. We'll say we'll find time, we'll find time. There's always no time. Kasha came back from Germany And I think that she wants to be with me No one said that would be easy It's hard when your best friend is busy We don't even have to 
go that far Could meet you halfway at the student bar Can't today you say you're not free It's hard when your best friend is busy Yeah, we'll find time We'll find time but there's always no time There's no time We'll find time We'll find time Right, everyone, that was Ned Fulsham, our very own music resident here at Bryanston. Um, with us on the show today, we have the wonderful Miss Hampson. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've been having a, a thrilling and honestly exhilarating for me conversation about, about the classics um, and and the the importance of it and, and the relevance of it today. Um, I, I Like I said, what, these shows are brilliant for me because I just have an opportunity to sit and have a wonderful conversation with my, with my coworkers and, and also just learn a a lot more about what they study um, and and why it's important, why they think it's important. Um, but uh, right now, one of the things I want to ch- chat about is uh, some of the, the the more recent interpretations and applications of Greek mythology and ancient ancient uh, Greek civilization, uh, which I was outrageously obsessed with during the summer of 2020 playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I know you've played it. I know you've even thought about using it in your class, which I'm sure your students would absolutely love. So oh, yeah. I'm curious, do you have thoughts on it? And and, and also on, on the accuracy of it. So for those who don't know, Assassin's Creed, first of all, is, is, is like a historical fictionalization, dramatization of various events. It's been in um, ancient Rome before. It's been in uh, the, the American uh, Revolutionary War. Ancient, ancient Egypt, all these random uh, 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 experiences and 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 historical time periods. But I'm curious to know your thoughts, your thoughts on it, and and just on the game first of all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful game. Obviously, yeah, they put so much yeah. work into it, and it really is. I mean, there's a few little small historical details that they didn't get right inexplicably. Of <laughs> a few little like people in the wrong place or. My particular uh, bugbear at this point is, especially if they're, if for anyone doing a C class Civ, we'll be looking at the Temple of Zeus at Olympia, and they mm. put some of the artwork in the wrong place for no reason except that they just <laughs> felt like it apparently. So you so, you were that you're that well well knowledgeable about the the architecture and the design interior design of the the, the temple and to, to know where. I don't want to go that far, but that it should have been on the inside and it's on the outside. So it's a pretty uh, glaringly obvious. Uh, okay, fair thing. enough, fair so, enough. Okay. But I mean at a you know, for a video game, it is beautifully historically yeah. accurate. It like it's got all the various monsters pulled from the Odyssey and things. Right. So right. those aren't those weren't in the Peloponnesian yeah. War, but the actual like historical side is really impressively good. Right. And and, and I mean, do you do you is your is your kind of perspective on it that this is you know it, it's a it's a generative it's it's a productive way to introduce children and and people into to Greek mythology. Yeah, I mean Greek mythology, Greek history. I mean it's one of those things yeah. that any way we can get people interested in the classic just, world, but just to it, kind yeah. of grab them because it's one of those things that once you actually get into classics, it's super oh, interesting. It's it, yeah. just 
getting people in the door. Yeah. And, you know, Assassin's Creed and I, I really like uh, Civilization. Yeah, right. That yeah. one's fun because you can, you know, you can pretend to be, you can be play as the Aztecs and still build the Parthenon. Like, I like that. Idea. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a good fun. time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so less historically accurate, but you could, they have, re- I mean, Civ has really good information about the different right. historical pieces, but no, Assassin's Creed, I mean, it's just a fun way to sort of explore the world of the, especially Odyssey, the ancient Greek world. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I, I felt I felt that I had learned a lot through that. Um, yeah, you know, just osmos, you know, you get there eventually. Yeah, right. I'd rather be reading the Iliad or, or, or the Odyssey, but I'm playing Assassin's Creed at the very least. I mean, that's what I used to do with when I was my first year at university, I would sit and uh, play a turn of Civ Five and then do my Greek homework, and it took so long to load on my poor old laptop that yeah. it, I could get an entire sentence translated before my next turn. Yeah. And I was like, "This is learning." There we go. Yeah, I played as the Greeks. Exactly, yeah. it, it's definitely productive. Um, I do want to uh, ask um, your, your own kind of personal favorites in regards to Greek mythology. Um, do you have or, or Roman? But you, you've yeah. already yeah. a self-proclaimed Italian. So, um, for, from from the classics professional perspective, and and in this position, do you have uh, a favorite Greek myth or mythical character that you find most uh, compelling, fascinating, maybe even relevant as well? Um, between those, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so in terms of just myth generally like the the trojan war you kind of always have to go you kind of have to start with the iliad in some ways because it's the foundation of western sort of writing in some ways western storytelling and there's some beautiful character i mean you have achilles who's everyone knows about achilles and his poor heel right right invulnerable sad sad my favorite is hector he's a he's a trojan prince and he's got these beautiful moments in the story where he goes into the city and like meets with his family and has these very human moments in Mm. this giant war but at a more mythical level. I really like Medusa. Okay. I I know the name Medusa. Yeah. And she, I know the name Medusa probably because of pop culture. But yeah. why? Uh, so she's the one with the snaky hair. Ah, uh, snaky hair. Yeah. Who's that was Cleopatra for some reason. But she does, isn't that ancient Egypt? <laughs> yeah. She, oh, okay. Well, she yeah. A, <laughs> yeah she was a, Cleopatra was a Greek, uh, Greek Egyptian queen. She was the last pharaoh of Egypt. Okay. Mer- sort of involved with C- Julius Caesar and Mark Antony. Right. So, so okay. So she's still a, in 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 some realm of ancient but, ancient Greece, but yeah, more so but Egypt. Yeah. Much more Egyptian, and yeah. she's also a real person. Oh yes, yes, yes. Not a, not Medusa, a real Medusa is not. Yeah, I, I can imagine that Medusa and her, her hair would be. No, her snaky hair. Given yeah. sort of, cur- she was cursed by Athena to have snaky hair and turn men uh, to stone. Depending on the the story, of course, all these right. stories have all different versions. Right. But I really like her just because she's just she's cool. Yeah. Um, she gets beheaded, which is unfortunate, she's but. Yeah, yeah that's, that's quite annoying, to be fair. I mean, I, I, I think it is interesting to, to think about the, 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 the relevance that these characters take on in, like, pop culture and yeah, culture today. Well, and that's, uh, there's a really, I mean, I, the, the realm of reinterpretation of Greek myth sometimes goes a bit far, tries to change things so much that it's no longer recognizable as a Greek myth. But one of the ones that I really like for Medusa specifically is the idea that it wasn't a punishment from Athena, but actually a gift. Hmm. Because she was given the snaky hair after being attacked in a temple trying to seek safety. Uh, right. uh, and the idea that instead of it being a punishment for being in the temple and, you know, doing all that jazz and stuff, uh, being actually a gift. Like, okay, no one will ever attack you again, because if you look at them, they'll turn to stone. Huh. And so it's a really interesting uh, reinterpretation yeah. of like, okay, no longer is it a punishment, it's a gift. No yeah. one can bother you. So and- you can... 
live your life. Right. I think there's there's I think those reinterpretations are, are, are really critical to, to what we know about history, but also Greek mythology as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is it? Madeline Miller has done a lot with uh, Achilles and Circe and yeah. different modern myths. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think her her book on Circe I like better than than the Song of Achilles. That one yeah. goes a little little off the rails sometimes. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Respectively. Yeah. So. I can I can imagine I can imagine there's a bit of there's some 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 debate about these things, but. Um, well, th- thank you for sharing your, your classics uh, expertise. If you want to know more about the classics, Bryanson has a wonderful, wonderful department here. Miss Hampton oh, is yes. always here. What, what is the room you all? Lulworth. Lulworth. Yeah, you you have to go there. Go check them out. Um, but before we get started with uh, Miss Hampton's other fascination, which is horses and expertise, we are going to step on and hear Stevie Wonder with Superstition. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. This is Bry Radio with Meet the Residents. Um, We'll see you in a sec. Thank you. 
righty, folks. That was Stevie Wonder with Superstition, a classic, a wonderful American artist that we had to feature. This has been two weeks in a row now with, with two American residents. I, I feel I feel kind of bad. but Repping the U.S. Yeah, we got to do it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the, the American hegemony is, is coming back in, oh, in, yeah. in the Bryanson community. Um, hopefully not. Uh, but one thing I, I you know we were thinking about and discussing, um, and, and we've discussed before since being here at Bryanson for the past month or so, has been um, your interest in, in horses and uh, equestrian endeavors. Yeah. Can you uh, how, explain how you got involved in that and, and how you help out with that here at, at Bryanston? Yeah, so, I mean, once again, every sort of every young girl has a horse phase and yeah. mine just never ended. My, yeah. my parents made the mistake of giving me horse riding lessons at age eight and oh, they yeah. had to continue doing that for the next 20 years. Right. Uh, Oh, well, uh, we have we have a guest in the, in 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 the studio as well who who is keen on 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 saying something. I have a a daughter who's nine years old and she's called Poppy. Okay. And I got told by the head of riding at Bryanston School if I get into this, it's more expensive than Class A drugs, um, yeah. which <laughs> yeah. which which was a fra- which is a term that stuck in my head. Yep. Uh, and of course, I was never considering taking up Class A drugs for either myself or my nine year old, but. <laughs> Um, it's something to bear in mind for anyone out there considering equestrian future. It's very expensive. The lessons are expensive. The horses are even more expensive. Right. Every single bit of kit, just because it's to do with equestrian, has a markup of about 300% just because it's on a horse. Yep. Don't do it. (laughs) Okay. So we have have the one perspective from from not doing the equestrian lifestyle. I think think there's still value and and there still can be value in it. I mean, obviously, there, there must be some kind of value in it. Oh, yeah. Not I just mean, monetary value, that not is. Not just monetary value. Um, but there must be some kind of value for, for Bryant in, in, in offering this and in and, and offering a lot of the courses and activities that you, you do in regards to it. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, one of the things I really like about horses is they're kind of a great leveler. Like, you know, you have this big 1,500-pound animal that it, they you can create really incredible bonds with horses. You can also really make them angry. And sort of you have to be very level when you interact with horses you have to be very calm even if you're not feeling calm you have to pretend that you're calm when you're sitting on a horse because they can they you know it feels a little cliche to say they can they can tell how you're feeling but they can if you're very tense and you're sitting on them they can feel that they can feel if you're sort of nervous and shaky so you have to really put on a brave face and pretend like you're not so they really teach you to baptism by fire yeah it's basically you know behave it's sort of of behave yourself and also be confident or get dumped on the ground yeah right you know the horses here are very good horses and quiet and they yeah. won't do that to you but i have very a kind compassionate yes. they're the good listeners and yeah no i my, my horse growing up was not particularly compassionate but <laughs> she taught me a lot so I, I have her to thank for a lot of things well that that's wonderful and you know we spoke about um you, your your horse back in the state remind me of your horse's name again uh i did not name her just to preface okay. that her name is miss america <laughs> miss america uh, yeah. amazing we, we, i'm imagining like dyed red white and blue oh, hair and we like we had hair extensions yes. for her we legitimately had you have a hair extension for her. we had oh, uh, human hair extensions that we would put into her tail during uh fourth of july oh, shows wow. and things. it was ridiculous yeah, yeah. That, that is i mean so you have to have so many experiences what is the most uh, interesting or intriguing or exciting experience 
uh, as genuine a response as you can get. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, riding a horse is always, there's always something new happening. There's always something exciting. They're not the most brilliant animals. There's some of them are, but they're afraid of plastic bags. So <laughs> you can, you have to take them with a grain of salt. But I mean, something that we did, very a very Western thing is uh, goat tying. Ah. So you, uh, you ride your horse as fast as possible to the end of arena. You jump off and you tie the legs of a goat. While your horse, hog either, tie, but yeah, a goat basically, tie. basically hog tying, but with a goat, and uh, your horse <laughs> just has to either stand there, or the horse just goes back and stands at the gate, and you have to walk all the way back when they're feeling particularly you, yeah. sassy. Well, do you think there's a feeling of betrayal in the horse's end? That, yeah, oh, this, I mean, this, 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 you know, should we be more? Uh, what is it? Should we be less anthropomorphic and and more kindly to to our other animal creatures? Uh, just a ho- I wonder yeah. if the horse has ever expressed that to you. Well, the horse. Sort of, I mean, my horse liked she, her favorite thing was to if I sort of got off unexpectedly or fell off or something, she'd just look at me like, "What you doing down there? This is, this is on you, dude." So she would me. blame you then. Oh yeah, even if she yeah. was the one that had just thrown me off, she'd turn around. I mean, she'd come back and check on me, but she'd look at me like, hmm, "That was you." Yeah, yeah. So you know, leaping off of leaping off. Of the horse to go tie a goat was sort of her standing there looking back at me going what what are yeah. you doing <laughs> probably very anthropomorphic but at some yeah. point like some horses you can see what's going on in their brains and they have right. opinions yeah well and like 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 many animals do and honestly with with especially with domesticated animals like horses they are and have been historically used for so many different things like oh, they yeah. are they are the the versatile creature for for the human species um but i'm curious and and that that's that kind of gets me thinking about you know the what horses role is in the united states versus what it is um in other parts of the world and what it is here in in the uk so i mean obviously you've experienced both then i i can assume yeah what kind of differences have you spotted in in dare I say horse culture between the yeah. UK and, and in the in the US. So I mean I come from a, a Western riding background, so that's much more yeah. cattle ranching and sort of like you're a lot dustier at the end of the day yeah, than you okay. are with English riding. Yeah, it seems very posh in England, is yes, it Yes, English oh, yeah. riding, it, and that is one thing. Uh, English riding is much more expensive for the most yes, part. Okay. Western riding, the saddle is more, more expensive than an English saddle, but after that, it's much cheaper. Okay, interesting. So it's, it's a bit more accessible some, in some yeah. ways. That might have just been where I was in California. But, no, it's much... You don't have to keep your horse nearly as clean. My horse is always covered in mud, even at yeah. shows. Whereas, yeah, the... the the style of riding in England tends to be much more sort of prim and proper and well kept, which is good. I mean, you should always make sure your horse is clean and healthy and such. Right. But it was it. It's a lot more work than I had to do in some ways. Yeah. Growing up, you had to you know give them a good brushing. But other than that, if they wanted to go roll in the mud, it was like, All right, yeah, that's your go ahead. Horse. Yeah, go this for is it. the wild west. Anything, yeah, anything the wild west. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Rather here, they're having you know. Uh, biscuits and tea after their their morning ride and some of them reading the Daily it. Telegraph and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sitting in a nice prim uh, lounge area. Where yeah, not out in the dust. Yeah, they, yeah. Fun fact: they actually have their own common room here. Oh yeah, yeah oh, Bryanson. Yeah, yeah. They you know they're they're kept pristine. Um, well, well. Honestly, really, really interesting. What, what to end this kind of series of questions? What do you do here at Bryanson in relation to, to yeah? The horses? So actually, this is a really good opportunity. We have riding for the disabled every Tuesday okay, at lunchtime. Yeah. Uh, so we have a school that comes through who are kids with various SEN and needs and disabilities, and they come for an hour and they get to ride really quiet, pleasant ponies, and we walk around with them and chat with them and sort of 
riding is really good for like muscle, like building muscle, because it forces you to sort of sit up and sit kind of quietly. It lets right. them kind of, you know, they get to interact with, the, they get to pet the horse, they get to sort of sit, but they have to sit and actually ride. They actually yeah. do sit and ride and we give them the reins. We don't really let them steer, but we do give yeah. them the reins to pretend to steer. Kind of like when you give your oh, younger yeah. brother the unplugged remote control kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm also involved with sea uh, adventure training riding, so we get some, we get our seas in and chuck them on a horse and see how they do. Yeah. Oh man, so. well that that's wonderful. And so I mean that kind of helps to, to conclude the larger thing about your role here at Bryanson. Um, can we get a, Can we get an idea? This is this is the thing I want to help to incorporate um, each time we do this. But any ideas for for how you're feeling about this year? How you're feeling going into the next year? If that's a possibility for you, yeah. Or I mean, can can Bryanson expect to hear from you n- next year potentially? I mean, maybe. I'm maybe. enjoying okay. it so far. It's a good time. There's lots of places to get involved. Lots yeah. of things to sort of be doing and keeping an eye on and such. Yeah. So, well, yeah. as long as the 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 pupils and more importantly the horses behave oh, themselves, yeah. maybe we can expect you here next there year. Then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. This is again Bry Radio. Thank you all so much for listening today. Uh, this has been Meet the Residents with Mr. Shivers. Um, next week we're going to be having another resident on with us. Uh, we are really really excited. This has been a special day for Bry Radio. It's Bry Radio's first birthday. Um, so if you're listening, uh, you are part of history. Basically, that's 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 the that's that's that those are the stakes in this situation right so uh much love to you all this is uh mr shivers uh thank you again for listening right now we have wild world world by jimmy cliff um and have a great afternoon probably the best school radio station in the world this is bright radio proudly sponsored by the bpa